0: Happy Saturday and welcome to I Take Bravo Very Seriously, Saturday edition. There is just so much content out there right now, you guys, and so I'm having trouble keeping it all to one episode. I'm trying to figure out how I want to do this going forward, whether I want to do two episodes a week, one long episode a week. Um, guys, reach out. Let me know what you'd prefer. I know some people... Dread a really long podcast anything over 45 minutes is too much. I personally won't even listen to a podcast that's 30 minutes or less I feel like it's a waste of my time. So guys, please reach out to me and let me know what you prefer Um, But for today, we're going to discuss the Real Housewives of Potomac, Real Housewives of Miami and Real Housewives of Beverly Hills from this past week um I also just want to mention that thank you all so much, um, those of you who listened to my last Pump Rules and Pump Rules Adjacent episode. It got a ton of traction. I really appreciate that. Um, Also, one of the posts that I had made about James Kennedy um, allegedly or possibly abusing Raquel ended up um, on Teddy and Emily's new podcast, Popping Off, where they are recapping Vanderpump Rules. Teddy accidentally read my post as um what was the content of Rachel Goes Rogue from this past week instead she read my post as coming from Rachel Goes Rogue but that's okay I sent her a message um hopefully it's just a misunderstanding and they'll make the correction but definitely go take a listen to their podcast popping off I actually really enjoyed it even though Emily has never listened to Vanderpump Rules or watched Vanderpump Rules sorry except for the uh season 10 reunion but um yeah I'm really into that but anyways you guys let's get into the episode. Okay, so my Potomac review is going to be pretty short because, as per usual, Potomac sucks. Guys, also let me know if you even want me to bother continuing to recap Potomac because, like I said, basically no content. So, we have Giselle and Ashley getting together, and they want to start an athleisure line called GNA. Giselle and Ashley. Guys, are you serious? Like, this is the best (laughs) title you could come up with for your athleisure line, just your own names? Um... Ashley says that she wants to support herself because Michael was the breadwinner, and then there's like a lot of flashbacks to that chatecious restaurant that they owned called, oh god, what was it called, like, it was some Australian restaurant, it's called like Ozzy or something like that, and it just really didn't do well, but I actually really respect Ashley for saying that because, you know, she's sort of still at Michael's beck and call, like he's, co-signing on her house and she is still trying to figure out herself financially. And that sort of remind us, reminds us about what's going on with Lisa Hotchstein in uh, Miami, but we'll get to that later. Um, so this whole thing that Karen is doing right now is, so she's from Surrey County, as we know. She bought her grandmother's house and I think she bought it, and, and she bought her grandmother's land and she bought it from her. The rest of her family, I think, and she wants to turn it into a retreat guest house. So that sounds pretty cool for her. I, I really respect her um, connection to her roots and as well to her culture. I just love how she's always talking about her family, Surrey County, the family that created Surrey County, how they got to where they are, and as well as her continued um, support of organizations representing Black culture. I just, I just love how she brings that into every episode and I, I just really respect her history and, and her drive to continue to strive for greatness and um, just always putting her best foot forward. Um, then we have Mia and Robin going to Salt Sanctuary of Maryland. So I've never been to a salt cave before and this was sort of interesting. I don't know if they're all like this, but basically all the walls and floor are salt and there's basically two like sun chairs like you would bring to the beach, like folding chairs. um on the floor and they're like wearing socks and robes and that's basically it and it's supposed to help clear sinuses and the respiratory tract and it's supposed to be relaxing um mia said she's been going through a lot so she's been trying all different kinds of holistic wellness and like i've been saying lately like mia has been going through a lot like and if i liked her better as a character if i cared more about her She really is the one with the storyline this season. She's the one going through the divorce. She's the one going through trauma from past assaults. She's the one dealing with their business and what what came out of that. So I really do feel for Mia in this season. Um, Robin said that four or five years ago. This is kind of bizarre. She got together with Karen, and and Karen was trying to show her a picture of Raven on her phone. And Robin saw that there was a pic on karen's phone of robin's entire family and she didn't say anything and she says that this proves that karen has always been obsessed with her that is funny <laughs> like, why would karen have a picture of robin and her entire family in her phone that is I, I i hope robin asks her about that or i hope andy asks her about that at the reunion that is so hilarious um mia tells robin that she's still going through it with gordon and that over a year ago she had considered divorcing him Robin tells the camera that maybe Mia, the stripper, thought that when she married Gordon, she could sit back and live a life of leisure, but now she's seeing that's not the case. I actually was not getting that impression. I thought that that was super rude of Robin to say. <clears throat> I mean, when we first Mia uh, met Mia, she did sort of give off the gold digger vibe, but, you know, they've built a family together. I really do believe she does love Gordon, and that's why she's struggling so hard at this time. And maybe when she married him there was an aspect of money involved but like that's just not the sense I'm getting from the I don't know just the struggles and the and the pain that she seems to be going through it does seem like she's going through pain and if she had married him purely for money I just don't think she would be going through pain that's just sort of my opinion Um, Mia asks Robin if she and Juan are in therapy and Robin says that she and Juan don't need therapy. She says that she doesn't think they need therapy because their problems aren't with each other. I guess. I mean, I think your problems are with, yeah, yeah, I guess you're right. Your problems are with all the third parties that Juan brings into your relationship. That's, that's the problem. Um, maybe the therapy should be with the mistresses. Like, I really don't know. But yeah, Robin, you and Juan do need therapy. 100%. Um, oh, and then she says that our issues are more like we just need to enjoy life more that's not like an issue in a relationship (laughs) i mean i think their issues are his infidelity the fact that he doesn't have a job right now and that's probably affecting their family and their relationship the fact that robin's on this show and that one hates that and he hates when people talk about him and and i bet all of that affects their relationships i mean the housewives curse is real i really believe it is Um, so then we have Eddie talking to Wendy and Eddie is stressed about being Happy Eddie, which is a weed business, which I didn't know. Um, and Wendy's telling him that her talk show was stressing her out. She had to switch to a new production team. Eddie's also working as a lawyer too. So he's got the law. So he's got like his law practice, but he's also doing the Happy Eddie stuff. Um, and Wendy is saying that sort of, this is the first time in their marriage where they're both knee deep in what they're doing individually at the same time. Um, and they're sort of talking about how they don't want sex to become routine. Um, and you know, it's just, it's interesting because I see them as a pretty solid couple, but you know, when people get ambitious and there's nothing wrong with being ambitious, I myself am quite an ambitious person, but when you're both so ambitious and you both have so much going on in your lives... It can take away from your relationship and they just need to make sure that they continue to make time for their relationship I'm not sure why I'm giving this as an example but um, Caitlin Bristow and Jason Tarek from The Bachelor broke up I don't know maybe six months or so ago and one of the things Caitlin said was she's like because we didn't prioritize prioritize each other basically I mean that's that's the main reason that we broke up we We're so busy with our own things and we weren't prioritizing each other. So as long as Wendy and Eddie continue to prioritize each other and their family, hopefully they'll be okay. Um, Then we see Ray and Karen going out for like a date night. It's super boring. It's happy hour because they're both old um ray sorry karen is taking is telling ray that she's going to be taking the girls down to surrey county but she can't take them all she had mentioned this in the previous episode because of like a a liability issue with like insurance probably because these women are so (laughs) they're probably gonna get in a fight that's like so funny so she says to um ray that she's gonna pull a name from a hat but the girls she doesn't want to come she won't put in the hat she says that she's going to invite candace and giselle Um, and she explains again that, like, it's her grandmother's former home and it'll be the first guest house that she's doing. So Giselle ends up responding that she's not going to attend. And that's obvious because Candace is going. Um, then we have Giselle going to NECA's new house and it's not really made up yet because she's still doing that kind of thing. And she says that Mia went with NECA to the fertility doctor and the doctor suggested that she get an IUI, which is where they inseminate you, but they put the sperm where it needs to go. I don't think I've heard of that before, but I also kind of think, is that not what Lala just said she was going to do in a Cosmopolitan article? I'm going to do some more reading on um this sort of insemination. I just find it fascinating how many different ways you can get pregnant now um, and that you're not just limited to having a partner. And I just think that's so amazing. Um, Neca's talking about how she and her husband used to live long distance for a long time, so it's very different living together and sort of like... Driving their lives together. um yeah. NECA tells Giselle that Karen had actually shown her around Potomac and dragged NECA to her house. And just because, like, you know, she's the Grand Dame, right? So she's showing her around and then tells NECA that she actually lives in North Potomac, which is, I guess, lesser than the rest of Potomac. And Giselle's, Giselle's like, okay, but you own your house. Karen's a renter too. I don't know what this deal is with renting amongst the housewives community. Lots of people rent. Like if you live in New York, nobody owns property in New York, like just the very elite. So I don't know what this idea is about renting your property as opposed to owning and it having a difference in terms of your status or your wealth or your value. Um, Lots of people rent. And if you, I didn't, but if you go and watch Todd from Real Real Housewives of Miami's video, apparently he did like a video on Instagram about why, it's Better to rent than to own, and it's like a seven minute video. So, if you want to know, you can check it out there. Um, Charisse comes over to NECA's house too, and um, it's cool. Like, uh, NECA and Charisse have been hanging out uh, in Potomac, they hung out one night. Um, Giselle explains that there's no moving forward for her and Candace because what she has done and how it had caused her death threats. So, they do remind us of that um clip where she says that to Karen that she was getting these death threats, and so. God, that that reunion was really hard to watch, um, where Candace was coming for Giselle. I do completely understand Candace's frame of mind, um, for sort of calling out Chris for making her feel uncomfortable when he didn't actually do anything, but then the things that Candace was saying to Giselle about being, about being white-looking... I mean, I'm not... I'll be honest, I'm not educated enough to speak to that and the difference between, you know, um, the shades of skin color and how that can affect um, how people are treated. But if Giselle is correct that she has been receiving death threats, that's not okay. But at the same time, and I feel like I've been saying this in every episode, we're just not ever going to see resolve between Giselle and Candace, which is fine. But then that really puts Candace on the outs. And it's funny because Giselle doesn't really bring anything to the show, but at the same time, she's sort of, she's sort of the Teresa, Teresa Judice, or, you know, like somehow an OG, even though like she is an OG, but somehow she will never be fired. And because she will never be fired, Robin will never be fired because they're the green eyed bandits. So it really does just seem like it's going to be Candace. Um, so then Karen so she had sent some invites, and then some people said no. So then she sent a second tier of invites to everyone, and Neka's on the second tier. And Robin's like, it's too last minute, I can't go. Mia couldn't get past the fact that she wasn't on the original invite, so she doesn't come. So it ends up being Ashley, Neca, Candace, and Wendy. So they're all going to go with Karen to Surrey County to go um, meet her family and see the land and, and all of that. So Neca says she's willing to accept some fluctuation in etiquette in terms of the second tier invite, as Karen has just entered her senior citizen years. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Um, so, But Karen explains to all of them in the sprinter bin that they were all invited, but Neca says that um, it took Giselle decking, or like not coming, for you to invite everybody else. And Karen says she will take the L on that um Nika says that she's going to do an unpacking party and she wants to invite everyone um Wendy says that Happy Eddie is having an event and um she's going to invite every all the ladies to that as well um so then the ladies arrive from their sprinter van love a good sprinter van to Karen's grandmother's home and they meet several members of Karen's family that are there um and karen says that as a black woman to own part of a plantation that my ancestor ancestors slaved on is a powerful moment and i totally agree i just think i just love her power and the power that she takes over herself and and the people around her i just think i think karen's great she's the grand doll um so they all switch into overalls and they start raking the yard and running through the field and this is the stupidest most boring thing i've ever seen um and nothing else really happens except Wendy sort of saying that she doesn't want to have a conversation with Neca. She considers Neca someone whose existence is inconsequential to her. Um, and Neca says that her response to her invitation was a closed door. So we also have no resolution there. And I think that, unfortunately, even though I do like Neca, I just think because she hasn't really formed any strong bonds and she's formed such a beef with Wendy, she may be a one and done. But I guess we'll see. And that's it for Potomac this week. seats, Proof! Timeline! Screenshots! Okay, let's get into the real housewives of Beverly Hills. So as you may recall, we left off where the ladies are getting out of a sprinter van at the top of a mountain because Crystal doesn't feel well. She's nauseous, her veins are popping, um, and the only one there who can help her is Anne Marie, our resident nurse anesthetist, right? So somebody calls for help, they call 911 or whatever the Barcelona version of 911 is, and Anne-Marie is like, this isn't a walk-it-off situation. That's a great diagnosis, Anne-Marie. I completely agree. Um, she apologizes, um, but ever, or like Crystal apologizes, and everyone's like, no, no, like we're worried about you, don't worry. Um, Crystal goes in an ambulance, and um, the ladies decide that they're going to go to church while... Um, Crystal's at the hospital. Anne-Marie says that the irony of what's happening right now is literally shocking, (laughs) and it is, right? This is what I was saying last week, where, like, literally, Crystal has been coming for Anne-Marie about her profession, according to Anne-Marie, and at the same time now, like, Crystal needs, like, medical attention. So it's kind of funny. So the ladies go to the chapel. Um, Erica's like, I've done this shit already. I've already prayed. She's being sort of weird, like this episode she's very um outspoken this episode i'm into it i i don't know if she's been drinking the entire episode but i'm really into erica in this episode um she's like i had a chapel in my own house i've been doing this for years okay i mean you can pray today as well like nobody's i I don't know what makes you better given the fact that you had a chapel in your house and you were able to pray every day but you guys are in barcelona at a beautiful chapel why don't you just go in Um, Dorit is like, um, what did the church ever do to you, Erica? And Erica's like, a lot. Erica says, we are all sinners, but God isn't coming for this group. I hope not, because I'm really enjoying the season, so I hope God isn't coming for them. Um, Sutton says, we can all light a candle for our intentions. Dorit says that she won't do that because she's Jewish, and Jewish people don't pray in churches. And she can set an intention wherever she wants. She can do it while brushing her teeth. Now, I'm a Jewish person, but I actually found this a little bit disrespectful, because it's It wasn't about religion in a sense. Like, obviously you're in a church, so that makes sense. But Sutton wasn't asking the ladies to pray to God. She was just asking them to set an intention. And I think as a sign of respect, I would do that. Like, if someone were to come to a Jewish funeral, as a sign of respect, you would put a yarmulke or a kippah on, right? It doesn't mean that you're Jewish, and it doesn't mean that by you putting that on... You're disrespecting your culture or your religion. It's just a sign of respect for that religion. But that's just my opinion. And I, I can totally appreciate if Dereed doesn't feel comfortable doing that. Um, Sutton does one for her dad. She says, it's a great way to be closer to God, which means she's closer to her father. Um, Sutton said that when you talk about suicide, like in the Catholic Church, you go to hell. She was raised Presbyterian, but believes her dad is with God in heaven. You know, we're just getting so much more depth from Sutton this this season, and it's fascinating. She's been talking about her father a lot, and she talks about him more later on in the episode, and we'll get to that. Um, I just, you know, I just find this so interesting. I wonder, I, like, I'm curious how old she was when it happened. Um, I believe that she said, you know, the age that she was, but I just don't recall. I wonder what their relationship was like. I wonder if he left her a note. I mean, you can tell that this really really plagues her constantly um erica says that her intentions are to pick up and rebuild and move forward and be prosperous she is still hurt that no one apologized to her and aren't happy for her about the earrings um she says that they hurt her the most because she cares about them now again i (sighs) God, Erica, I mean, she's having such a good season in terms of, you know, she's not fighting for Lent, right? So she's been having a good season and sort of just staying back. But at the same time, she's been having these great, like, one-liners and really coming in cute. But when this whole thing about the legal proceedings and when it comes to the earrings, she just doesn't understand that the more that she doubles down on this kind of thing, the more it seems like she doesn't care about victims and the more it seems like she doesn't have empathy and I know that in the first episode she didn't know what that meant but at the same time we have been seeing her throughout this season really caring for her friends so I know she is capable of it but when it comes to this she just doesn't understand but that I think that's okay because look at how much growth she's had in such a short amount of time and ain't nobody perfect um then we have Sutton sitting down in the pew, I think they're called a pew because I'm Jewish and I'm not sure, but I think those, the rows that they have in church, right? I think they're called pews. So Sutton sits down in the pew with Kyle in the church and she says that her friend, so Sutton says this, her friend had a dream about Sutton's dad the other day and her father said in the dream for Sutton to know that she was right, that he was tired. And Kyle was like, he was tired? I'm sorry, you guys, this is so hard to talk about. This is, you know... I totally understand, from Sutton's perspective, the loss, right? I mean, how how upsetting, how terrible, especially if they were super close, but also to lose your father that way. And it's so hard when you're not a person who struggles with depression or anxiety to understand the mindset of someone when they're going through something like that. It's the kind of thing where every minute of every hour of every day feels very painful and it feels very hard to go through. Every minute, every hour, everything is just painful and long and it feels like it goes on forever. And so I completely understand Sutton's father giving her the communication that he was tired. And I think he meant like, I'm just too tired to keep being here. I want to go, you know, and I hope in a way that gives Sutton some peace. Um, Kyle says that a psychic told her that Lorene, which was her close friend, uh, her best friend, that that passed away a year prior, um, was telling her that she doesn't understand what happened to her, and this is so eerie and and you know scary and like Sutton says to her, she'll never get those answers. But Kyle's like she's at peace now, and that's so interesting that Lorene, you know, wherever she is now, is saying that she doesn't even know what happened to her, and I don't know a great deal about the history with Lorreen. Um, I do know that she struggled with depression for a long time, but maybe she just never, and like I said, because I just don't, I don't know the history, but maybe she just never got the real help that she needed, maybe she never got the right medication that she needed, never got the right therapy that she needed, and so when she says she doesn't understand what happened to her, even though it was suicide, maybe she doesn't understand what was going on inside of her, you know? And again, I also wonder if Kyle got a note, or if anyone got a note, and I don't think so, because Kyle is sort of expressed so many times she doesn't understand why this happened and that can be really really hard for the people who are left behind after um someone takes their life because they're left to pick up the pieces and wonder why this happened right and I think sometimes if people just sort of had that peace of mind to understand why even if it comes through the psychic or through a dream sometimes it can give you that peace right Sutton says to Kyle I'm sorry I haven't been a better friend and Kyle says you have been it's okay and she says I love you Sutton says, I hate fighting with Kyle. So to have this moment to really rebuild our friendship is everything. Kyle says that she loves Sutton and she was hurt by the question she was asking about her marriage, but she forgives her, but she's glad they're in a good place now. So I actually didn't know how close they were. So it actually kind of shows how much the conflict that they've been dealing with for pretty much the majority of the season is is valid because is sort of like, we're close friends. Why are you calling me out about my marriage when I've explained what's going on? And just really trying to throw me under the bus when I'm going through so much, too. And it's, I mean, there are so many things that bond people together. I mean, we've talked about mutual hatred of of a certain person will bond you together, but also grief, right? Grief and death and spirituality, they do bond people together. And like, Kyle has always been very vocal about being a spiritual person. I didn't know that Sutton was, but I think it's so lovely that they were able to bond this way in church. Um, so then Crystal calls the ladies from the ambulance, she says she's on a drip and anti-nausea medication, and she'll meet up with them at the, at the house. Um, Kyle says that when she goes to a new city, she likes to know where the Hermes is as, like, a compass to guide herself. Um, so they all go to a restaurant for lunch, and, um, Anne-Marie toasts to Crystal and to health, and Kyle's like, it's interesting where you guys were from last night to today, and Anne-Marie says, like, she takes her profession very seriously, and it's a part of her, and that whole fake doctor thing... That Crystal was saying was really hurtful for her. Erica said that um, all of that from Crystal is in hindsight now, and Anne Marie says that all that matters now is Crystal is okay, which is totally good and great. And I actually hope we are done with the esophagus thing, as I'm sure all of you are hoping that as well. Um, And we did hear from Andy, I think, on Watch What Happens Live, I'm not sure when, that it does get better and she gets better. So I'm hoping that now that Anne-Marie and Ky or sorry, Anne-Marie and Crystal have this resolve, and we're not going to be talking about esophaguses anymore, that we can really start to see the real Anne-Marie. So then we have Dorit and Garcelle um, kind of bringing up their issue again, because they had that lunch a couple episodes ago where Garcelle explains to Dorit um, how it affected her when she had said that Garcelle was attacking her. And they said they were going to leave it there but then it gets brought up again and um Dorit says Garcelle you called me a Karen and Garcelle's like listen you've lived a very sheltered life and you don't understand the walk that I've had to walk and Dorit says I want to learn and I want to know your plight I think plight is sort of a weird word to use here but okay Dorit still continues to sort of double down and really wants to defend herself so she says Dorita's is like, my, so she's like, my bubble is different than you think. My father is Israeli, and we were the only Jewish people in the town, and people made anti-Semitic comments to us all the time, like asking if I have horns. And this was this actually really stood out for me, because I remember my mom saying that, that when she went to university, um, and people approached her, and they were like, oh, you're Jewish, where are your horns? I didn't know that was a real thing, even though I am a Jewish person, and maybe these are sort of like older sort of mentalities, um and racist stereotypes that people used to come up with and say. But you know, at the same time they are not the same and, and that's fine, right? Everybody has their own story and their own differences. And Garcelle appreciates that. She's like, like, thank you for telling me this. This is the stuff that really bonds us. So I'm glad that they seem to sort of have more of a common ground. And I was actually surprised that we even got here. Um Sutton tells the ladies that her friend Trevor is coming over for dinner. Um, She says that they started at Merce's dance company at the same time, and he lives in Barcelona. And she says that she wants the ladies to know a part of her that isn't the alimony-collecting, gala-going, vodka-drinking, erratic, crazy lady that they think I am. I love how much insight Sutton has into herself. Like, right? I mean, that is who Sutton is, but she calls it out, right? And, like, there's nothing more validating than just, like, knowing exactly who you are. So then the ladies go and do some shopping, Um, I didn't find this part that fascinating. Dorit, though, does buy seven antique fans, antique, hand-painted fans. Why? I do not know. I do not know what someone does with seven hand-painted antique fans. So the ladies get back to the house, um, Crystal's bread. Basically, she had high blood pressure, and they put her on medication. She said that her family has a history of high blood pressure, and she's super lethargic, and she thanks the ladies for being supportive. Anne-Marie hugs Crystal and Crystal cries, like, facing her own mortality. She says that she appreciates Anne-Marie being there for her and, and for them putting aside their differences. And she just wants to be okay for her family because she's sort of thinking, like, yeah, when you face your own mortality and you have these moments that are like, oh my god, what would have happened if I had died today? What would have happened to my children, right? It's, it sort of puts things in perspective, right? Um, so the ladies get ready for dinner. Uh, Crystal talks to Rob on the phone and she says she wants to really rally because they're doing a paella making night. Um, Kyle calls Maurizio and she's annoyed because she can't see him and he keeps cutting out. So it was sort of a stupid FaceTime call. Um, Erica says to her glam that they shouldn't have been coming for her about those earrings, she told them. And it's so funny. Glam ends up being like their pseudo, um, like therapist because they're the people that are around them all the time. So Erica's best friends are probably her glam and are probably the only people who, um, actually supported her about the earrings. Um, Sutton says that she hasn't seen Trevor in a few years, but they always got in trouble together. It's how she learned words like conflagration, conflagration, which means conflict and drama, fakakcha, which means is Yiddish for fucked up, and what teabagging is. She says she's not opposed to it. Guys, I actually don't know what that is. (laughs) I didn't Google it, I was afraid. But um, I guess guess I'm a little more um, precious than Sutton because even I don't know what it is. Um, Erica says that Sutton is a beautiful soul. Erica's drunk as fuck at this point in time. And she is just like saying things. I am all about it. So Storm from the last episode, Storm is the chef who's going to be there all week. So his dad is there too. And now the ladies are into the dad. And Garcelle says that she could see herself moving to Spain, being with Storm's dad and being a stepmom to Stormy. She said she may even need to breastfeed him. I love Garcelle. And I love these ladies. Um, normally I don't get into anything about what people are wearing because I really just don't notice. Um, but Crystal's outfit was really, really nice. She was wearing this neon green outfit that had these puffy sleeves and it was, um, a little bit cropped, um, with like these long kind of flared pants, uh, that were all neon green. I just thought it looked so beautiful with her black hair. Um, Crystal says that she sees a kind and generous side of Anne-Marie. So Dorit, um, in speaking to Trevor says, oh, you have to divulge all dirty information to us about Sutton and he said she was so mean to me and Sutton says like oh you know I was poor in New York and I worked and I was truly independent and I loved it and Dorit says it's nice like hearing about young Sutton and she says she wasn't always wealthy but she likes to pretend she was I don't know what's with Dorit this season she is literally just giving all of these jabs jabs one jab two jab three jab I mean she is really I'm, I'm actually surprised she's not next to Andy at the reunion because or in the seating chart because She really has taken a jab at, like, literally everyone this season. Um, She says that... um, So Sutton says that she met Christian, which was her ex-husband. She met him at 14. Um, And so she actually had already known Christian when she had met Trevor and, and when she was dancing. Erica says... I know you love Merce, but Merce was in a Ziploc bag. (laughs) She's just like yelling this stuff, right? (laughs) And everyone agrees he shouldn't be in a Ziploc. And Sutton's like, okay, but Kyle's mother's ashes are in a bathroom right now. And then there's like a flashback to Kyle, like reaching down to like this bottom um, shelf in her bathroom where her mother's ashes are. And it's because she has this weird fear of like someone knocking it over and it breaking and that kind of thing. So Erica starts asking, so Trevor had also brought all of his friends, and Erica starts asking them all, all of these questions. She says she has a genuine thirst to know things. She has a high school education, and she likes to ask erudites questions. And I was like, what is an erudite? I thought it was, like, someone very worldly, like, sort of like a socialite, so I googled it, and it's just, like, someone with, like, a lot of knowledge and very, very smart. Um... Erica continues to be the drunk queen that she is and is like, Merce is in the purse. <laughs> and I feel like that was the title of everybody's podcast episodes about, um, this, this episode for the past week. Uh, Garcella was like, I can watch this all night. And so could I, it was so funny just watching Erica just like scream out obscenities. Um, Trevor said, you weren't as comfortable as your skin as you are today. Sutton, he says, you're right where you're supposed to be. And so is Merce. And this was so sweet and beautiful it was just like this moment it was almost like the episode of Sun, right we get to see more into her past and learn more about her and to see people from um, the world that she had before and I just thought it was so beautiful for Trevor to say like you're right where you're supposed to be you know it's just sort of a very nice settling sort of thing to hear from someone that you're so close to right um, so in the morning, Sutton goes to Kyle's room in rhinestone pajamas, which are super cute, and gives her a lay to wear and says that she wants all of the women to wear them and to think about what they need to release. So basically she wants everyone to wear them and then they're going to go release, um, versus ashes. Kyle's like, I just didn't know the spiritual side of you. And, and like I said, neither did I. And I just think this spiritual side is really what is going to bond Kyle and Sutton for the rest of the season. Um, Then we have Dorit saying that PK is in London and her mom is with the kids and she doesn't travel much and she wishes that PK would have stayed home so at least one of the parents is with the kids. So we've been seeing a lot about Dorit and PK's relationship this season and the struggles that they're going through and this has been one of them that Dorit has brought up a few times that, you know, PK travels so much for work and she feels like she's a single mom when he's away and she's saying now that she doesn't travel much was probably part of her PTSD. And, you know, he's just not as involved with the kids as she is, right? They were having those discussions about homeschooling, and she's the one who's with them all the time, and he's the one who's always away. So I think part of her issue with him is not just the support he's giving her, but also the support that she wishes he was giving the kids, you know? Um... So before they leave, Sutton just starts crying and, like, she's holding the the Merce in the the person. Like, they're about to go and and do the ashes thing. And she just starts crying and saying it's so emotional and Kyle hugs her and she's like... She says there's a lot of her dad wrapped up in this. She said when she lost her dad, they spread his ashes in Texas, but they each kept a little bit and she lost it because she had moved so many times. So this thing with Merce and, like, releasing his ashes is actually symbolic of her father's ashes. She said that Merce and Trevor were the first people who called her when her father died. And she also feels like she's scattering the ashes of her marriage as well. She said that she was so angry for such a long time about the divorce, and near the end of the relationship, she thought it would be a good idea after they separated to go to therapy and to work on their marriage, but as soon as he moved out, he filed for divorce. Um, And now he's moving, so she's saying that she just feels really alone, and she says she has a lot of suppressed emotions, which is so clear because her ex, Merce, and her dad were the most important men in her life, and she has to let them go, she says. But it's also sort of sad that the three most important men in her life have left her, right? Two through death and one through divorce, and I can't imagine not having, you know, abandonment issues when the three most important people in your life have left you. And that could also be a reason why Sutton struggles with dating and not so much necessarily in the sense of how she struggles to get a second date. But you can see in those episodes with the matchmaker where, you know, she's being very picky and making a lot of comments about the specifications about what she's looking for in a guy and maybe because like they really have to live up to these three men that were so important to her, right? And that's it for the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. Name them. That was... Name them. Well, Name what him. you did was ridiculous. Name them. Uh, not having... Name uh, Well, be quiet. So Name let me him. talk. Jesus. Okay, let's get into the Real Housewives of Miami from this week. I actually really enjoyed this episode, and I'm glad that Nicole is finally there. She caught um, a red eye to get to Mexico after she finished with work. She says she wants margarita first, but they've got to go to church. I am not going to name this episode Take Me to Church like everybody else did, but um, yeah, it is funny that we have Real Housewives of Beverly Hills and Real Housewives of Miami going to church um, Julia explains to Nicole what happened the night before with the art gallery, with the men in G-strings, and the bunny ears, and the nudity, and she said that the food looked just like the guy's balls. That night was absolutely wild, but super funny. Um, so Alexia taking taken the ladies to meet the Virgin of Guadalupe, who is Jesus' mother. She prese- represents you being able to conquer difficult situations in your life. Um, so they all get ready to go to church, and Lisa's wearing, like, this corset-type black top where the, like, bodice part is sheer, but she says that she has a shawl, so it's okay to go to church like that. Um, Julia tells the camera that she separated herself from religion when she lost her son 23 years ago. Um, and then there's a flashback of her telling the ladies that she lost her son to shaken baby syndrome. I actually don't remember this flashback, I don't remember what season this is from, but I'm glad they showed this flash because I completely forgot about it until it came up recently where Lisa had made a comment that, uh, Julia has three baby daddies, and then Julia came back at her online and said I didn't hear her say this, and that's so disrespectful since one of my children had died, um... Anyway, so Julia said that at the time, she did turn to religion, but it actually gave her more grief and pain, so it's easier for her not to go to into a church. Um, Adriana decides to stay back and rest, because she has her performance the next day at Gay Pride, um, so the ladies start going there in their sprinter van, and as you know, love a good sprinter van. Uh, Julia kisses Kiki to give her some of her lip gloss, and I'm like, sort of just wondering what Martina thinks of this, because... Julia's kissing the ladies all the time, and I... Okay. Like, it's a little bit weird. Um, Lisa's talking in the car about how the worst thing for her in terms of this whole Lenny situation is not having her kids 50% of the time, and she starts to cry. And, you know, it's... People have really been giving Lisa her time this season, and I know she talks about Lenny a lot and, and that kind of thing, but this is what she's going through right now, and it is super difficult. And we can judge her about the money and how much she talks about Lenny, but not having your kids half the time, like, I can't even imagine. Like, I don't have kids, but I have a friend who stayed in a marriage much longer than she wanted to because she couldn't imagine just not being with her kids full time. And at the time I didn't really understand it, but now that she does officially only have her kids half the time, I can see how much that kills her, right? And I can't I can't even imagine what Lisa's going through having that, especially because it's not her choice, right? Like she didn't want the divorce. Um so they get to the church and it's massive and it's beautiful. And Julia says she doesn't want to make it about herself, but she wants to support her friends. Gertie tells the camera that her father's a pastor, but this moment is like surreal and serene. And Alexia, Gertie, and Larsa get on their knees. Larsa puts her arms around Gertie, and she cries and says, I'm scared. Alexia says it's Guadalupe that helped her get through Frankie, so she hopes they can help Gertie. And all the ladies just come together in the church and put their arms around each other. And Marisol tells the camera that it's such a powerful thing that can happen when we all come together for a common purpose, which is Gertie's health. And this is so true. I mean, I'm not a religious person. Yes, I was born Jewish. I consider myself agnostic. But I just thought both of these episodes, Beverly Hills and Miami, were so impactful seeing how much spirituality and religion can bring these ladies together, right? Because look at all the strife we've had between Gertie and Larsa, and then in Beverly Hills, between Kyle and Sutton, and look at how this commonality, which is the religion and the spirituality and wanting Gertie to get better and wanting to pray for her is what just put all of it aside, right? Isn't that what always happens? Or it should, that when something bigger than all of you all is happening, you put the, the bullshit aside. So then we move into day two of Mexico. Um, Gertie tells the camera, like I just said, there was such a bond that happened in the church that she'll never forget, and it was beautiful. Nicole said um, that the last time that Julia was at a church was her son's funeral, and Julia talks about um, how when she lost her son, the only person she had was her cocker spaniel, Louie. And that's why she has such a connection with animals. Her farm is her temple. So I thought that was really interesting. Um, I don't know if she was married to the person that she had her son with, um, or if they were in any kind of relationship. If they were, I think it's really sad that she didn't have that person to be her support person when her son died, or that she didn't have any other family or friends or anyone around, but this sort of does explain why she has such a connection with animals, and like I said, religion isn't for everybody, spirituality isn't for everybody, and everybody finds their own thing that helps them heal, and for her, it was farms and animals, and okay, Whatever she needs, whatever you need to get through it, do it, right? Um, Lisa says she wonders if prayers work because she really prayed today. She said she prays all the time because she doesn't know what's going to go on with the settlement. Then we see Lisa on the phone with her lawyer, and he's asking her, like, how do you feel about the deal? And she says she doesn't feel great about the deal, but she feels okay with it. She says she's stressed because Lenny can say one thing one day and change his mind the next day. So then Lenny ends up actually calling her to discuss the settlement, but wouldn't let production record it. And he said he wants to add one little thing to the settlement. So then we're back in the Sprinter van, um, and Julia kisses Kiki again. And they tell Adrienne about the church, and then Julia decides to kiss Marisol as well. And Marisol Julia is like that boy in elementary school who likes you, but then hits you, but really wants to make out with you. And I guess, right? Like, I just don't understand why she keeps making out with everybody. It's, it's a little bit weird. Um, so then Lisa gets in the car and she tells the ladies the conversation she just had with Lenny, which is that he doesn't, so part of the settlement is that she's not allowed to have a man permanently residing with her. This is so fucking controlling. And this is exactly what we said was going to happen, right? So he wants to build her this house. He wants to build her this teardown where she and the kids are going to live. But, 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 you can't have a man live with you. Now, Lisa doesn't seem that upset about this because she goes, I'm not going to date a loser, which she defines as someone who doesn't have a house. So she says she's not going to be with someone who doesn't have a house. So basically, they can stay with her as long as she wants or as long as they want and then leave. And I'm surprised she's not upset about this, which is fine, but you know, long, long term, 10, 20 years from now, she may want to get married and she may want to reside with the person that she's married to. And the fact that he's preventing her from doing that because he's the one paying for this house is, you know, how he continues to control her. So I don't think this is going to end here. And even though she seems okay with it now, she's not going to be forever. Um, But then she did say to Lenny, well, then how come you're... Your mistress can stay with you like tit for tat, and he says to Lisa, "Well, I pay for it, Lisa, and like exactly, and Larsa says, like what I said, she's like, this is another way he can keep controlling her um and she basically just needs to end this with him and and get out of this, or else he's gonna keep controlling her forever. However, the ladies do take this opportunity to congratulate uh, Lisa for signing the settlement. Lisa says, like, things aren't done, but the ladies are trying to make it positive. Like, you know, congrats. Like, you've at least, you've signed the settlement. You've done your part. You're, You're part of the way. And Larsa tells Lisa to open her legs to make herself feel better for ventilation. Okay. This just reminds me of Lala being like, I just need to open my legs and fly. Sure, you do, girl. Um, so the ladies get to the place where they're going to go on a gondola ride. And Alexia explains that it's different. Like, gondola rides are different in Mexico. They're more like party boats. And on the boat, it looks really fun. So they've got tacos, tequila, and a gondola ride. And I wish I was there. Nicole says that, I mean, she's just talking in terms of Lisa. She's telling the camera that when she got divorced, it was much more amicable. And she can't understand how Lenny could be with Lisa for so long and to do this to her. Lisa cries, and she said she was crying the other day, and Jodi had thought that it was over Lenny, and the ladies agree that this whole thing is like a death. Um, Adriana says she understands Lisa because she went through a divorce she didn't want as well, and once you sign, it's the end of that dream, and that triggers a lot of emotion, so she might be suppressing that now. Um, Gertie says she never got into her relationship with Russell, expecting he would support her financially, like, completely, so when you put yourself in a situation where you rely on a man, you know, you end up in this situation, but she's saying that Lisa will learn independence through this. And again, like, I just think we need to be more understanding of what Lisa's going through, and I really resonate with what, um, Adriana says here, because obviously Lisa's been going through the process of this divorce and this custody battle for a while, But I think once you've put your name on that dotted line of the divorce papers, that feels final. And that's probably what's really getting to her now. Um... So then Alexia says, uh, you know, she's trying to actually be supportive of Adriana, which is funny. She's like, you know, Adriana is a great performer. I'm happy to see her doing something she loves in terms of her doing the, um, performance the next day that she's going to be doing at Gay Pride. She says, um, just because she doesn't like Adriana doesn't mean she isn't good at what she does. And as long as she leaves Alexia alone, they're good. And I kind of love that. I I love that Allie or sorry, Alexia, um, you know, is like mature and strong enough to be like, she's good at what she does. Adriana is good. And I hope that she performs well, but I, I just don't want her near me. And and that I think is how to get through a housewife season with someone you don't get along with. I think Alexia is paving the road here. Um, so Larsa then decides to come for Lisa a little bit. And she says, um, you know, if you lost Jody, you would regret it, because you would be screwed, and I don't know anyone that would take your shit, no offense. Lisa's like, that's a really fucked up thing to say. And Larsa's like, you're needy. And Lisa's like, you're needy. And Larsa's like, you're needy like a baby. And Lisa's like, you're a bully, and you're mean. And, like, I, I don't know why Larsa, I mean, like I've said, she's such a bitch, but I'm really liking her on Traders, and so I'm, like, seeing a different side of her, but the way she treats her friends in this show is just fucked up. Um, so because they're obviously on a gondola ride, they are in the water, or above the water in a boat, and Lisa makes a joke like, oh, we should go for a swim, and Alexia's like, ooh, we should play Truth or Dare, and I dare you to do that. And Lisa says, oh no, I'm not gonna do that, I don't wanna get, like, herpes and all these other diseases. And Nicole says to the camera, I'm not sure if Lisa knows what STD stands for, but it's sexually transmitted, not swimming transmitted. That, that's hilarious. Um, so then Julia kisses Adriana, and Adriana says that she is a certified germaphobe, and she doesn't like kissing people through other people. I am the same way. I am such a germaphobe. And if you really think about it, not just kissing, but any sort of, like, sexual activity, like, think about all the other people that you're sleeping with through that person you just slept with, right? Or, like, literally Adriana has made out with all of the other girls in the group because she's touched julia's lips who have made up with all the other girls in the group right like it's so funny um so then julia kissed marisol and then the producer's like okay julia how would martina feel about this like what the hell and julia's like she would say oh did you have fun all right i mean if that's their relationship and they're cool with it then all the power to you Um, so as they're guiding along or gliding along in their gondola, they see like these houses off to the side and they see these dogs and Lisa said they look hungry. So she starts trying to throw food at them and Gertie's telling her not to and telling her to sit down. And Alexia is like, Lisa, how would you like it if a boat is going by your home and started throwing food at your dogs? And the guy who's like driving the boat, the boat guy, I don't know what to say. He's like, the owners of the dogs feed them. Like, it's okay. And Kiki's telling um, Lisa that she's ignorant to assume that these dogs are not eating well because of how they're living. And Kiki's like, Lisa, like to the camera, like she doesn't even feed her own dog. Her nanny does that. Lisa's like, they looked hungry. And she starts screaming, I just want to help animals. I love animals. (laughs) I saw this last week as the preview for this week. And I clipped it. Because it just reminded me of Lala. And I clipped it as, like, Lala every time she hears, um, a Bravo Liberty, like, using animals for entertainment and made, like, a gif out of it. It's just like, I love animals! Um, yeah, you can see that Lisa's totally just losing it. So she stands up and she's getting sort of aggressive. Kiki tells, tells her to sit down and throws a juice box at her. And Lisa's like, you threw something at me! That's assault! And Marisol's like, no, not the juice box. Call the police! And Gertie's trying to break it up and tells everyone to sit down. And Lisa keeps getting up and pointing down at Kiki and being like, you don't ever throw something at me again. That's assault. I really don't like her calling this assault because one, it's a juice box. Two, can we just not be accusing our African-American friends of assault? Can, can we just do that? Okay, thanks. Um, so then Larsa says she thinks this is really like Lisa losing her mind over the Lenny divorce um and all the ladies are screaming at each other but then like as they're gliding by people are watching and all the ladies start waving like oh hello hola hola trying to be normal because they know they look like a bunch of psychos that was so funny just be like be normal guys be normal um alexia is telling everyone to shut the fuck up and, and and explaining to to lisa that they're just trying to help her um adrian is like we should probably turn this boat around um, Larsa's like, if I stood up every time I wanted to say something, it would be like a lot. Um, so again, it's kind of funny because Larsa is starting a lot of these fights, but she sort of brings this one down a little bit by saying like, okay, guys, let's just have a good time. Let's hold hands and let's say a prayer. So they actually all do that. Um, except Lisa, she doesn't want to participate. And Adriana starts the prayer and says, Lord, have mercy on this group. We all need some help more than others. <laughs> Um, then the strangest thing happens. So they start passing by as they're gliding along in the gondola. Um, these creepy dolls that are hanging from the trees. They're basically like, like children's dolls with their eyes gouged out in dirty clothes. Like they, It looks like a nightmare. It looks like a horror movie, basically. And, um, the guy who drives the boat explains that it's called the Island of the Dolls. Years ago, there was this man who saw a young person drown and fall in the water, and that person died. Then the guy who saw this wanted to be able to sleep at night and could practically see the person drowning, like, I guess, in his mind. So idea, he had this idea to put a doll in the tree so the spirit could play with the doll. Then he obsessively was adding more and more and more until people said that he was crazy. And as they keep gliding through this, there's more and more dolls. They're everywhere. It's kind of dark. It is terrifying. And Julia starts to freak out and cry. And she says that she's been more close to death than most people. And so she will never find something like this entertaining. And the ladies just sort of surround her and hug her. Honestly, even if you haven't had the death of a baby, that image was absolutely terrifying. But I can't imagine how much worse it is for Julia having had her baby die. So that was super freaky. And um, I'm actually really looking forward to the next episode to see what happens from there. Um, but that's the end for Real Housewives of Miami. That's- Okay, guys, thank you so much for listening to the Saturday edition of I Take Bravo Very Seriously, hosted by me, Dana Mandel. Please listen to this show wherever you get your podcasts. You can get it on Apple Podcasts, Google, Amazon, iHeart. Please also, if you get a chance, please follow my or subscribe to my YouTube channel, I Take Bravo Very Seriously, where you can listen to episodes there. And please, please, guys, give me a five-star rating. Um, It really helps the show grow, and please reach out to me If you have any ideas or suggestions, uh, brunchandbravo at gmail.com. You can also follow me on Instagram at brunchandbravo and at I Take Bravo Very Seriously. And on TikTok at brunchandbravo. Until next time, keep taking Bravo very seriously.